There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to another Business Elevation Show on Voice America. You know, on this show, we absolutely love to talk to people who can help us to um, elevate our businesses, elevate our thinking, and uh, really help us move forward on a, a positive trajectory. And today's no different. We've got a fantastic guest today. Um, I'm going to introduce you shortly to Emma Hallam. We're going to talk about the magic of fundraising. But before we do that, I'd like to say a big thank you to um, my guest last week. Um, in fact, actually, I repeated a show last week because I was actually staying with him in his um, in his uh, home in uh, north in Scotland in Loch Tay, uh, David Fox Pitt, and I repeated the show with him on Positive Rosity. Uh, which was uh, really um, a great, great show and one I'd recommend. It also links in beautifully with the show today because uh, David has raised through his, his extreme events £40 million for charity. But before that, the week before we had um, the last live show, we had Daniel Wood, who's a serial entrepreneur. Um, also uh, with him, we, we were talking about empowering women. Uh, we had uh, the Rally Princess of Sweden, the number one female rally driver in Sweden. Uh, she, uh, I think last week, she's uh, so well known, they, they, she had a full page on her turning 50 in the biggest newspaper in Sweden. And uh, we had a great conversation about empowering women and motorsport and those sorts of things. If you haven't checked that one out, uh, do go into the archive and, and access it. Now, fundraising is a fantastic way of achieving uh, not only uh, a contribution to charity, but helping you and your employees to achieve a remarkable life uh, goals. It's a, a brilliant way to build employee and company engagement. And, you know, people, uh, when it comes down to their values, uh, you know, their values often include making a difference and wanting to contribute to others. And actually through linking with a great charity, um, it provides the opportunity for people to do that in the workplace, not just, um, you know, in their personal lives. So if you can be doing those sorts of things at work, you know, why would you want to go anywhere else when you can work in an environment that's also contributing to the things that you really care about? So today we're going to discuss uh, this magic of fundraising, and we're also going to talk about a sort of special case study, really, um, on Alex's wish. And uh, Alex's Wish, uh, I think, is a fascinating um, organization. And to so say we're going to meet Emma shortly. Um, I've been very inspired by Emma, her son Alex, and uh, her husband Andy, and family, and what they've created with Alex's Wish. And I think you'll find today, you know, Emma's a really inspiring lady. And, and through, you know, in adversity, um, and they've been through a lot as a family, um, they are now not only contributing to the lives of, 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 of boys and children who have this terrible illness of Duchenne, um, but they're also um, bringing a really amazing community of people together who are contributing to, uh, to um, you know, a really, really important uh, cause. And I think it's more than just charity. It's you know, about doing things that are special together. Now, if you're interested in fundraising, um, I should say we've got, I think this is the 303rd show, so we've got a lot of content in the archive, but you might want to check out the interview with Chris Putnam-Walkley. Chris 
represents philanthropists around the world and helps them to um, put their monies into the right sort of places. Um, you may also um, like to hear this, the um, very sadly now deceased Stephen Sutton MBA, who I, I interviewed just uh, a few weeks before he very sadly died, who really, really inspired me. Um, great, very deeply actually. Um, he raised nearly six million for teenage cancer. Uh, and last week we had the repeated show with David Fox Pitt that I recommend to anybody on positive veracity. So let me tell you a little bit about Emma Hallam. She's the founder of Charity Alex's Wish. They're conquering um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, um, referred to as DMD, and it's an aggressive, life-limiting, muscle-wasting condition that affects incredibly one in three and a half thousand boys born across the world. Now, Emma has 26 years' experience. She's worked in marketing, events, and branding for big corporates like Experian, Alliance, and Leicester, and Mortgage Advice Bureau at senior levels. Uh, and, and her passion um, became to set up a charity um, you know, three year, uh, when her three-year-old was diagnosed with DMD back in 2010. There were no effective treatments and certainly no cure for DMD at the moment, uh, which leaves boys paralyzed by the late teens and leads to an early death mid-late 20s. And Emma's worked tirelessly on all aspects of fundraising initiatives. She's raised awareness through public speaking. She appeared on TV, on radio. Uh, and um, her, her intention is to raise a million pounds by 2020. They're well on their way to that target. And uh, the, plan, the plans are very much, it's not just about helping Alex, so obviously that's a prime motivator, but it's to bring new treatments to save you know, a generation of boys um, Emma's won several industry awards for her efforts in supporting the Duchen community. So, you know, a huge welcome today to uh, my guest, Emma Hallam. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> you're very, very welcome, Emma. Emma. And actually, this is great because we're actually sitting together today because you're, you're, you're based in Leicestershire like me. Yes, indeed. So uh, no, no need to go to, um, no need to be talking to people in different countries. Today we're, we're um, sorry, um, interviewing somebody who's actually sitting together, which is, which is really, really nice. Now, Emma, I always like to start an interview, really, by finding out a, a bit about the person I've interviewed, and particularly, you know, their, their sort of background, maybe their, you know, their childhood and, you know, what inspired them to, to do what they do. And I know uh, you um, became attracted to working in marketing events and branding. You know, t- tell us a little bit about, you know, your younger years and what really led to that. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, um, I come from very much a working um, class background. Uh, my family very much sort of um, used to work in the pits and, and, and in the coal and mining industry. Um, so I wasn't particularly brilliant at school. Um, I love going to school. I love the, you know, the aspects of, of, of being there with friends, but I didn't particularly come out with great grades. So it wasn't until roughly around 16 years old that I actually thought I need to do something with my life. What am I going to do? Um, I think my family really didn't didn't expect me to go to university. That kind of wasn't the done thing. But I did go to college for a couple of years, studied um, administration, really, and secretarial skills, um, then went into the office and uh, did two years of, of that kind of work and actually realizing that it just was a bit dull, a bit boring, um, didn't really inspire me. So um, then I got chatting with somebody that actually worked in marketing and thought, actually, that sounds much more interesting. So off I went to college and then university um, at the age of 20. So, um, you know, I think just because you don't start off in life on the right foot, it doesn't mean to say that you can't change your direction. And it was when I got to 21 that I then studied marketing, uh, branding and events, um, got involved with that from sort of the age of 22. And by 29, I was then becoming director level. Um, and just thoroughly enjoyed marketing. I love branding. I love, you know, so many brands out there are very inspiring. Um, and loved events. I used to get up and talk at conferences and things like that. So that's kind of where um, where my background is. 
And and Emma, you and your your husband Andy, uh, and uh, you've also have two lovely children, Isla and Alex, uh, who I had a pleasure to meet very serendipitously <laughs> because we uh, I'd been to an event with uh, Emma. Uh, which Emma was speaking at, and I was very I was invited to go along, and it was a it was a charity event. And only about two weeks later, by complete um, serendipitous chance, I found myself sitting on a train across from uh, from Emma and uh, Isla and, uh, and Alex, and they were heading up to Newcastle. And I had, I must admit I had to go and look at a website. Is that, is that really them? Because uh, I wasn't too sure before being brave enough to say hello. But it was, and we we had a great great conversation on that train, and it's probably partly led. To today, really, and um, my, you know, enthusiasm for for um, this charity and for the work of Emma and Andy and Alex's wish. Now, you know, Alex was obviously very. You were, you were doing this. You're doing marketing and events and branding. And you know, Alex, very unfortunately, three years old, was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and it must have been a very tough time for you. And I wonder if you could maybe just tell us a little bit about that journey with Alex and and also this uh, this condition just to share absolutely um I thought Alex was perfectly normal I mean looking back now you actually realize that certain things that he did probably wasn't quite right but for those first three three he was almost four so two weeks before his fourth birthday um nursery picked up a couple of times that um things that he was doing wasn't quite fitting in with his peers um he, he would fall over quite a bit um and you know looking back it's it's obvious but at the time he was my only child and I thought it was perfectly normal just a bit slow a bit lazy nothing nothing major to worry about and it was one day that our uh, nursery I went to pick him up after work and uh, they said we actually had it was raining outside we've done this um uh, you know, activity today where everybody was sat on, on the floor, one, two, three, stand up, run to the back of the room and come back. And they said by the time all the children had run to the back of the room and come back, Alex was literally just lifting himself off the floor. And they said it was hugely noticeable. Um, not to worry, but we do need to go and get something checked out. So um, alarm bells started going off at that point, really, um, and basically um, took him to the doctors. They didn't think anything was major spoke to my mum who unfortunately at the time was actually dying of cancer so it was a really 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 tough time and my mum had sort of mentioned to me um, my uncle Derek who died when I was three used to be in a wheelchair and she said just something is just bothering me Emma um, your uncle um, who passed away at three can you remember yes I can he had a condition called muscular dystrophy I don't know that it passes in families I, I'm it's you know certainly not appeared in the family before that um, just probably just mentioned that to the doctors so we looked online about muscular dystrophy and this condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy came up um, and it was almost a checklist of things that you know a child shows demonstrates when they have this condition and both my husband and I just went through the list and we ticked nine out of ten and it, it was just obvious to us that that's the condition he had so we stumbled across it really quite quickly um, went back to the doctors, explained what had happened. Um, he said it can run in families and does, you know, can pass from the mum to the um, to the child. Um, and there is a simple blood test that we can take, nothing nothing too major, but we should know um, within seven days. So we took Alex in, he had his blood test. And basically, boys that have got Duchenne muscular dystrophy, if they have, um, a, a, it's like a CT level that's in our blood, we have it and it's in our hundreds, but children that have got Duchenne have it in, and it's in their thousands. And the results came back and Alex's were 27,000. So significantly huge to what was normal. Um, 
we had the blood test on the Thursday and Saturday morning we got a phone call from the hospital which they always say no news is good news but unfortunately they rang us on the Saturday and said I believe you think that your child has got Duchenne muscular dystrophy and I'm really sorry to say but he has so we kind of spent two days of kind of knowing that but then obviously we got we got that diagnosis so it went from thinking we had a perfectly you know healthy little boy to one that was very very poorly um and yeah it was just a devastating time really um any 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 parent would know that when you've got a child um that's got such a devastating condition you just you just don't know where to turn it's it's just really it's just horrible um we went to the consultant the following week um, and we could already see online, if you Google Duchenne muscular dystrophy, basically this is what it says. By the time they reach eight to 12, they're going to be wheelchair bound um, because of muscle weakness within their legs. And then it moves to um, weakness in the arms and then into their torso until every single muscle is affected and they're essentially paralyzed. And then of course, your your heart and your lungs um, are also a muscle, and ultimately, it leads to respiratory or heart failure, and that's what generally kills them. Sort of again, mid to mid to late twenties is is the average, but we have lost children as as young as eleven. Um, so, for any parent involved with this condition, it is just you know it's just a ticking time bomb. You know that the condition is just going to get worse and worse, and it's not like necessarily with cancer where you know potentially you know you could get a treatment and ultimately be cured. Um, with Duchenne, it's 100% fatal. So every child will die at some point, generally speaking, before they're 30 of the condition. Wow. <clears throat> very, very sobering and uh, mm. absolutely life-changing at that at that point. And you talked about, you know, we lose children, boys. Um, you know, it sounds very much like there's you know a real community of, of people and parents with Duchenne. And how important is that when you, you know, you have a diagnosis like that incredibly important it was only a couple of days ago actually that I posted on uh, on social media um, the importance and, and the strength that the Jishen community has I mean I have met the most inspiring amazing parents that have got boys that have got Jishen and I do say boys it does affect girls as well but much much less so it's uh, it, it's mainly a boy condition but it, there is some girls out there with the condition um, the Jishen community uh, I just think is a force not to be messed with um, we want a treatment and ultimately a cure for this generation of boys and by golly do they actually work hard to make sure that happens because there's so much fundraising and so many amazing charities that have been set up as a result of their child being diagnosed with Duchenne um yeah so we go to each other for advice for information the boys can obviously talk to one another through social media and you know through through um other other means we get together on a regular basis as well through conferences and events um i'm going up to newcastle next saturday actually for a Duchenne carers day so it's hugely important to you. When you've got a child that's got Duchenne, obviously there's generally only probably a few, a handful of you within a certain town. So it's not very often that you actually meet parents. So social media connects. Uh, I'm, I'm connected to people in Australia, New Zealand, America, you know, all over the world. And, and it's, just, it's just a fabulous community. We had the World Duchenne Awareness Day last Friday where everybody was setting off red balloons all over the world um, in support of Duchenne. And, you know, there was classrooms full of, you know, children up and down the country in the United Kingdom, but also across the world, setting off these balloons and, you know, raising awareness for Duchenne. And, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's very, it's a very, very um, 
I mean, but it's a very, very hard thing to go through, and uh, I'd not experienced that um, myself. But I can only, you know, start to uh, imagine what that must be must be like. But it does it does sound like um, you know, say a new new chapter of your life, you know, opened up, and those marketing skills that you've got, and events organising skills, and things like that. This, you know, that's enabled you to or helped you to set up this organisation, Alex's Wish, Wish, which I, as I say, I know it's not just about helping Alex; it's about you know, those who are facing the challenges. Tell us a little bit about what you've what you've done and what you've achieved to date. Yeah, I mean, basically, luckily, I've got the right skill set. So I do appreciate that, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. But for me, once we'd actually found out um, that um, Alex had got the condition, there wasn't very much treat, um, money going into research and funding. We desperately needed to raise the funds. So we set ourselves a goal of raising a million pounds and we are well on our way now. So Alex's Wish has been running for about five years now, and we've come up with some challenges to date. Um, basically, we had to raise 5000 to set a charity up to start with. So that that was that was the first thing. Um, and then growing, obviously, the charity beyond your friends and family. So we did incredibly well. The first year, we raised £100,000, which was fantastic. Um, but we knew, you know, we had to grow um, beyond that, really. And the realization that, you know, you can't run a charity for free, because if you do, um, you know, it, it just leads to disaster, because unfortunately, you can't really progress and move forward and grow as, as, as a non-profit if you don't spend any, any money. So that was a big challenge and a big learning point, really. Um, and sustainability as well in terms of making sure the charity remains successful over a number of years. So we're five years down the line and we're still getting support now. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, thank you for you know, sharing that story uh, with us. And you know, after the break, what we're going to do is we're going to you know, find out a bit more about the personal benefits of really getting involved and, and supporting a charity and making it part of your life to, to, to do this and, and kind of contribute. So how that can elevate us as, as people. And then we're going to move into talking about companies and talking about um, you know, organizations and how you know, there's so much benefit and value from aligning yourself with uh, really great worthy causes that bring people together to uh, do amazing things, to um, to ultimately do good and do things like um, helping to uh, find a cure for Duchenne. So we're back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Uh, do stay on, do, uh, do join us and uh, do send me, um, you know, over the next week or two, if you've got any thoughts or comments, feel free to email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'm sure you, when we give out Emma's details, you could uh, contact her too if you wanted to. So we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Emma Hallam. We're talking about the magic of fundraising. And we've been talking about the um, Alex's Wish story with Emma. And uh, we're going to talk about in, in a moment about you know how you know how uh, supporting a charity can really um, you know help you to uh, become you know inspired and and uh, really become a part of your life uh, that uh, of, of contribution uh, that leaves you feeling um, that you're making a difference. But before we do that, I want to also just have a, a conversation uh, with you and just about what you've actually achieved so far because I know you've achieved a lot in. In, um, in, in how, I don't know, how many years? It's five years. Five years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. So Alex's wish has been going for five years. Obviously, the first year was the, the year of startup, really, and and, and the year of learning. Um, but we were raising 100000 in our first year, which was, you know, I was really, really pleased with that. But the income has been growing year on year now. Um, and I'm really delighted to say over the past 12 months, we've actually raised 220000 So, you know, onwards and upwards, really, we want to keep building on that because in terms of research, um, it's absolutely vital that we continue to raise as much money as we can do and ultimately bring about treatments and, and, and that cure for boys that have got Duchenne. Um, we've actually invested in 21 projects now from sort of early stage drug development, um, pre-clinical trial stage, and also we've been building capacity here in the UK as well to make sure that we've got enough doctors and nurses to actually run the clinical trials. Because boys have got who have got Duchenne... Um, there's no treatment out there other than steroids, which has huge um, side effects. Um, and so it's vital for them um, really to get on a clinical trial to give them potential hope um, for the future. Alex has been on our trial actually for the last three years. And um, unfortunately, we got the news last week that it wasn't working. But it just goes to show that we need to keep um, fundraising to actually get money as, as quickly as we can do. Um, so yeah, we've done lots of um, lots of investments and we've raised vis- visibility and awareness about the condition as well. Um, we've appeared on, on on the TV, on radio, and um, yeah, it's it's all it's all gone fantastically well. We're just going to continue to build on that momentum now. And you you personally, I know you've uh, you've achieved a number of significant things while you've been doing this. Obviously. You didn't anticipate you were going to be setting up a charity, and 
you know, using your marketing skills to set up events. But you've um, you've done some things personally through it that you probably wouldn't have gone out and done if you hadn't uh, been motivated by um, Alex's wish. And I guess you sometimes with this, you've probably got to lead from the front sometimes, haven't you? So tell us a bit about some of the things you've done. Sure. Um, it was six weeks, actually, uh, after Alex was diagnosed that I decided that I was going to jump out of a plane. I hate flying. I hate heights. Um, it's the most crazy thing that I thought about doing. But I just thought, I'm going to really push myself and do something um, that takes me off my comfort zone. So, yeah, I've jumped out two planes now. Um, and what an incredible experience that was. Um, just immense. That I would recommend it to anybody. Um, so I did that in the first year that Alex um, was diagnosed. But since then, I've trained and I've got involved in cycling, which is, is you know, I used to do a little tootle around a couple of miles with the family. Uh, uh, but now I actually can do um, up to 100 miles today, a day. Um, so I've done a London to Paris cycle ride. I've done a closed ride um, in London, 100 mile bike ride. So lots, lots of lots of cycling. I did a three peak challenge as well, just a week after the London to Paris cycle ride. So yeah, I, I've really pushed myself. And next year, I've actually said that I'm going to do a wing walk, which I think is crazy. <laughs> but I will do a wing walk next year. So Alex's wish, I think, for me has been a, a huge positive thing, um, both my own personal growth and just to realize what a tough cookie I am in terms of, you know, when you're faced with devastation, um, you just either can sink or swim. And I decided I'm going to swim. Um, let's see what we can do to make a positive difference to Alex and boys that have got to share. Yeah, great. Or in your case, actually cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well done on jumping out of the plane. I've done it once and I was really happy to tick the box. <laughs> I don't need to go and do it again. <laughs> you did it a second time. So yeah. good for you. Uh, um, this, this uh, I, I actually did a, a 50 mile cycle ride with you earlier in the year and I, I thoroughly enjoyed being involved with it. And uh, actually at that point, it was the furthest I'd actually cycled on a bike so thank you for that and uh, inspire me to do it and uh, and, I, and David Fox Pitt who I've mentioned and with his interview on positive Rosti, I was with him last week in uh, in Scotland and I was looking at his quadrathlon which is actually the toughest probably the toughest endurance event in the UK it's four um, four disciplines of swimming across Loch Tay about a mile and th- 15 miles of um, climbing over running over seven mountains followed by an eight mile kayak and a 34 mile ride around the lock so i took my bike i did the ride around the lock last week um but i'm gonna get, get involved in that so um you know the 50 miles a stepping stone to doing something else uh, for charity um and i'm kind of in, you know intrigued with this really what your opinion is on emma in that uh, you know for me th- this getting involved with the charity and you know doing some things i turned 50 recently um and but what it's done is given me a real lease of life and it's given me some real goals to train for. So I'm now you know, exercising five or six times a week when I wasn't two years ago. I was struggling to kick a ball with the kids because I was too out of breath. Um, and, and you can make some, do some major life achievements. I just wonder how best it best people support charities. Is it best just to give money or is it better to uh, look at life goals and maybe perhaps stretch yourself out a bit and maybe do something crazy like cycling to Paris like I know you've done or jumping twice out of an aeroplane most definitely and I shall tell you why because you can actually easily donate to a charity obviously charities will never turn money down um but but the reason for me I would say is to actually throw yourself into doing some crazy life experience or not even so crazy it might your your crazy might be different to my crazy um I'll give you an example actually Mark Smith um a director at Stephen George Architects who were based here in Leicestershire in the UK um he started an epic challenge um a 
two weeks ago now. Um, he was basically jogging from um, John O'Groats to Land's End. That's basically a marathon a day for 30 days. Unfortunately, it came to a tragic end when he actually torn a ligament and he's had to stop after a week. But saying that, he did 180 miles um, and he's going to continue that journey um, back in May next year. So he will get through that finish line for absolute sure. But what I can say is that he was vlogging every day. He was doing videos um, about the challenge, about, you know, how difficult it is or what the weather was like and how it felt. So you really actually felt that you was with him. And through those vlogs, he was talking about Alex's wish, Alex, who we'd met previously before as well, and the inspiration behind why he was doing what he was doing. And actually, that whole thing actually brought so much more awareness and actually engaged so many more people out there that otherwise wouldn't have heard about Duchenne. So he could have said, actually, Emma, here's £500 donation. But instead, he wants to raise more than that. He wants to raise more awareness. And of course, it was a fantastic life experience for him as well. Um, but I would say that if you are going to do an event, there is so many things that you can do now. And obviously, promote it by social media and talk to your friends and family and, and beyond. And the power of social media is just incredible. Um, you know, fundraising can go right the way across the world um, at such a short space of time. And you can actually build so many stories through pictures and videos. And that really brings the whole thing in terms of what you're doing why you're doing it about the cause and if you were just to give money then you know it's just a, a it's just a, it's just money and that's it there's nothing else but I would say if you can really push yourself um you'll be amazed at what you can achieve and also the support that you know that you'll get from from the general community and, and beyond really um so I would definitely say you know if you've not done something like this before then then just go for it no great um yeah really uh, good Thoughts are actually, uh, you know, videoing and blogging, and uh, it is one way, isn't it, of uh, as you say, doing more for a charity uh, than uh, than just offering money because you are spreading that that awareness. Um, you know, one of my clients uh, recently, Christopher Edwards of Edwards Insurance, he uh, he climbed Kilimanjaro, and that was a huge achievement for him, and a very very challenging one. I think he raised six or eight thousand pounds, so you know, big welcome um, to him. For doing that for some really really good good causes, uh, and I was watching a video of his experience uh, the other day, and it really did um, it really did uh, make me realise how uh, how tough it was and uh, what an achievement it had been for him. Um, so how how do you best vet a charity when you're thinking about getting involved in one, and and what's your view on you know donors, for example, covering running costs? You know, it feels to me that this is quite an interesting debate because I you know personally. Uh, people often prefer to, you know, donate to charity and know all the money is going to charity. But I'm really kind of mindful that with organisations there are running costs, and uh, you know, I just wonder where you kind of sit with that all of that, really. Of course, yeah, and it's a it's a really good point. Um, and I think before you get involved with any charity, really, you know, you are very welcome to go and ask that charity um, various questions. Because when I started fundraising for Alex's Wish, or no, for, not for Alex's Wish, sorry, for Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy, I actually raised about forty thousand for two national charities. And then I started asking questions in terms of will it specifically go into Duchenne or will it go into all muscular dystrophies, and will I make a real difference? And they couldn't always answer the questions. So for me, it's ask the right questions 
questions um, and, and, and see what answers you get back. But for instance, Alex's Wish, we've got a case for support. So it's it's all documented in terms of what our missions, what our values are, you know, what we're about, where the money goes, what percentage of money will actually go directly to research. Um, and also find out from the, the charity as well is, is why do they need that money and how much do they need? And, you know, what will it really help fund? And, and who is actually going to support at the end of the day? Um, and you, you very well um, to actually ask what percentage of the funds raised will actually go directly to the charity because that's important as well. Check out their website and their social media and also their annual accounts, certainly in the UK anyway, all the annual accounts are on the charity's commission. So you can actually just do it. Um, you can search them by name or actually by the registered um charity number and all their annual accounts so certainly for Alex's Wish the past four years are all on there and you're very welcome to actually have a look at those um, and just make sure that they've got the right governance and trustees and the right decisions are being made so we've got we've got our own governance we've got our own trustees and you know we don't make decisions without it going through the trustees board so you know that's kind of how we run Alex's Wish and how a lot of charities do run but I must say I think charities you know it's very very difficult for them to actually have no cost because you know at the end of the day um we all have mortgages to pay and we all have bills to pay and I mean for instance I'm voluntary so I do this voluntary because obviously the drive for me is is to cure my son as much as I do want to obviously bring a cure about to all children so I'm very fortunate that my husband's got his own business and I can do this on a voluntary basis but you know, we do actually recruit. We have actually got um, Zoe who works with me full time um, and she's got her own family to run and she did it voluntary to start with, but it's not sustainable. And I think that's the thing is you've got to treat um, a charity as a business. Um, otherwise, it's just going to fall flat on its face. It's not sustainable to, to, to do. So we used to have, you know, get our graphic design work done for free we had a website done for free but then you know if you actually want work doing quickly which is what you need to do when you've got events if you're not paying you're at the bottom of the list and you always feel like you're second best and, and, and rightly so people people need to earn so I think I think you can't do everything for free it's, it, it's impossible but that said we do keep our cost down um, to an absolute minimum so you know we work from home we don't have an office well we, we do have an office but it's out of my husband's office so we can use that for free um so you know we do keep our costs down we keep it to an absolute minimum um but obviously you do have to realize that co um costs you know are inevitable unfortunately um I would say that we always look at our cost ratios. So for any event that we do, um, so say like, for instance, our dandelion ball, um, you know, there's always going to be costs we have to pay for the venue and the food, but we try and get that covered through corporate sponsorship. So we'll go out in, in exchange for companies actually putting their logos out at the events, promoting them on social media, on our websites, etc. Um, they actually give us the money to actually then offset those costs which is fantastic if for instance you're going to do a challenge then we send that information out to the individual to say you can either cover that cost yourself personally or you can actually fundraise and obviously a percentage of that cost will actually go towards you know funding the event so like London to Paris it costs us about 400 pounds to take part so you can pay for that or you can do it as part of your fundraising it's entirely up to you so the choice is yours really but I think to do anything for free is 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 really a, a tough thing to ask yeah, no, well, absolutely, and I think um, full, you know, credit to you as well for, um, you know, for doing this voluntarily because, uh, you know, imagine if you were, you know, a director doing marketing or events previously before this happened to you, you know, to go and go and do Alex's wish voluntarily, you need that's had a big impact on the, the family income, you know, unless your husband is doing exceptionally well with his business, so, um, you know, it, it's it's a hard one, isn't it, because actually. You, as you say, you do have to earn a living, and you do have to uh, 
bring up a family and people have got mortgages to pay and you know there must be an argument that actually uh you you know you should draw some salary out of the out of the charity but then but then you come into issues with people looking and wanting to uh, see, well, actually, all my money will go to charity, won't it? It's not covering your... Yeah. It's a really difficult one, isn't it? It is. It is. It is, it is, it is a difficult one. Um, I mean, basically, I... I, I don't take a, a salary out of the charity because, like I said, my husband's got a, a business and he's able to support the family. But in the early stages, you know, there was things that we had to go without because I wasn't earning. But that was that was our choice. And we just want every as much money as we can do going directly to to the research purely, as I said, because, you know, we've got Alex to think about. And that's that's way more important to us than than, you know, other things. But. Yeah, it's it is a really tricky one, and I think anyone out there that thinks that charity should should run for nothing, I think you know, just bear in mind that you know, it's very very difficult to get the right expertise, and unless you treat it as a business, it's not going to be sustainable. <clears throat> well, there's not uh, not many executives that work for nothing. Um, now let's um, let's talk about companies. It's got uh, two or three minutes till commercial break. Um, how do companies best get involved? Yeah, um, businesses can get involved in a number of ways. We've we've met with some fantastic businesses here locally. Um, I mean, just an example, Fernley House, for instance, um, who are wealth managers here in Leicestershire. Um, they they came along to our ball about a year ago, and we really inspired them. Um, it then led to a presentation to all of their staff to say, you know, we want to um, we want your support and. The director that well, the, the MD there at Fernley House basically said, we've always considered, you know, working for charities. We have actually done some things, but we want to go big this year. And you've really inspired me. So if you can go and present to all the staff and they're up for it as well, then then let's go forward. Well, they chose to do Alex's Wish and they have raised almost 40,000 in 12 months. Um they're a smallish company that's growing. Um, just phenomenal. The things that they've done, they did their own ball. Um, and, you know, that's just one example. We've, we've got lots of lots of other examples as well of, of businesses that have got involved with Alex's Wish. Um, and it's, it's been hugely beneficial for them. Um, not only staff engagement and actually, you know, all their staff actually getting involved in in something new and exciting and, and, and all to come together for a common cause to actually raise funds to really make a difference to those that are living uh, out in the community, those that, you know, need need support, really. Um, so Fernley House have been a great example about how businesses get involved with charities like Alex's Wish. That They've also done skydives and wolf runs and, you know, tough mudders. And they've, do, they've done a number of events and cake sales and a lady actually she bought a load of curries in to sell and that raised money but it all helps um and it's just really got the whole kind of office involved they're so excited now that they're going to be um you know doing more activity next year and i think you know they've said certainly they'll continue to support alex's wish they want they want to see that cure for this generation of boys so we're really really grateful to them and that's just one example excellent well done to early house was it was it mark yeah, Fernley yeah, House, Wealth, Wealth Managers. Okay, well, well done, to, well done to them, and and also to is it Mark? At, yeah, uh, yeah, Mark at Stephen George. Yeah, Mark, um, well done. 180 miles is still a pretty significant run, and the fact that you're going to be able to go start and do it again, yeah. continue that in uh, in May next year, we'll be uh, watching you and uh, wishing you well with that. So we're going to go to commercial break again, and after the break, I want to talk a little bit more about evidence about how you know, charity builds engagement in companies. So we're back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do stay on. Do join us.
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and uh, welcome again to the well, to Emma and to the show and to the, this conversation around the magic of fundraising. I, I'm um, so I'm interested, Emma, to you understand you know the, the the evidence that you've sort of found around how charity involvement really builds engagement in a company. And there's a great example there of Fernley House, where it sounds like it really has. But um, you know, what other examples do you have? Um, yeah, sure. Basically, um, Fashion UK, um, who are an organisation, again, here in Leicestershire, because, you know, we are a local charity, but just an example, really, that they had never really done any um, charitable, just they had a few cake sales, but that was pretty much it. So they actually set themselves a goal to raise um, Alex's wish some money. And it was just it was just a lovely thing. I actually went in and spoke to all the staff and, and, and told them about the cause. And, you know, unanim- unanimously, they all said, we want to get involved um and basically what they did was um they went around and asked all their employees what what would interest you what would you like to do how can we raise money what can we do together and i think actually engaging your staff and asking them and saying you know what interests you and what would you like to do um they actually gain buy into it and then they get excited about it and then it's a case of you know they get very competitive in terms of i'm going to raise more money than you but fashion uk have raised ten thousand pounds for alex's wish uh, in the past year and you know they did a ball as well they did a valentine's ball and they've done they've done all sorts of activities in the office just great ways to get get the staff involved and I think it's such a lovely field thing to do. I went and presented again to them two days ago and told them in terms, you know, the progress that Alex's wish has made, the money and where it's going. And, you know, on the back of that, they've said, right, we're going to be supporting you again next year. So that that's a fantastic example. Um, we've got Elaine Crew as well from Wellbeing for Life. Um, she runs um, sort of boot camps and fitness um, sort of camps. And she basically gets around about 20 ladies um, and, and does a three-peak challenge every year. And they've raised over £10,000 for us. But it, for her, it's a great way of actually getting the people that are actually taking part in, in, in her fitness activities to raise money and get behind a cause. And there's just loads of examples of, of you know, of businesses and doing some fantastic things. Excellent. 
That's great. And then you bring some of these people together, don't you? Because um, I, I came to your networking event earlier in the week, and I think uh, Elaine and there was her sister were, yeah. there, were there, and they got, they got us doing some uh, laughing yoga yeah. or something like that. So uh, well done for getting them to do that. I was the person who you said looked uncomfortable, I think, who was standing at the front. <laughs> <laughs> and you've mentioned the laughing yoga, but I did enjoy it. It was it was great. Um, so, how, you know, do do, um, do do companies find that they have to sometimes work hard to really engage their staff to get involved, or do they just uh, do they just get involved? Um, they just can't. I suppose they do just get involved, but you do have to look at it as a project. Um, you know, it's not just a case of saying, right, we're going to support a charity, get everybody in a room, do a presentation. Everyone says, yeah, let's let's raise loads of money. Um, because then you go back to the office, you go back to your desk, you get busy um, and you totally forget. So really, it's down to, um, you know, the leaders within the business to actually really drive this. And the examples that I can say is they've actually set up a committee um, cross-departmental where you'll get someone from finance, someone from marketing, someone from accounts, someone from sales. They get together as a committee and they meet once a month to talk about what are the objectives, what are we going to do, what's our focus, what interests um, do we have as a business and what interests do the staff have in terms of how they're going to get involved. And then actually that actually drives the activity. So it's like any project, anything that goes on at work, it's just another thing that they look at and review you on a regular basis so they put plans in for the next 12 months and then what we've found is that Salisbury Harding and Barlow who are local solicitors here that support Alex's wish when you go into their reception desk they've got a thermometer so they've actually set themselves a financial target and then when you go in there you can actually see the thermometer moving up towards the target and that really motivates and inspires people um, and then you'll get staff coming up saying actually you know let's let's go and do a quiz night let's do a quiz night let's go and raise some more money that's actually trying to hit that target or even smash that target which is what Fernley House did. So I think originally they wanted to raise about fifteen thousand, and now they're almost approaching forty thousand, which is which is brilliant. So I think committees are brilliant, um, and you know you can actually uh, give it out to staff as well to do a vote to say um, why don't you come forward to some charities that you would like to support, and then obviously you put it down to vote. So it's another way of engaging your staff and getting them to make those decisions. So regular meetings, regular reviews, um, and then also what we find is updates from the charity, so that we'll actually go in and present to them and give them updates in terms of how Alex is doing, what's happening within the Jishan community, where the money's going, what impact they're having. Because I think if you give them that regular information, it just builds a story and keeps that motivation high. The the negative sides that I've found that I've spoken to businesses that have said they've done lots of fundraising, there's been a check presentation at the end of the year where the charity comes in and that's it. There's no there's no kind of engagement throughout the year. So we like to be very different to Alex's wish. We actually like to go and engage in on a regular basis just to keep that motivation high, really. Um, yeah. And also, I would encourage any business that, that gets involved with a charity to celebrate their successes, to say we want to raise this. This is what we want to do. And once you've achieved it, then then do something really nice, because I think there's nothing more rewarding than actually, you know, a pat on the back or let's go out for a drink or to celebrate the success that we've done. And again, that's just another way of engaging. Yeah. So I think that really, really helps. Excellent. So, so what are your, you know, you've, I think you've achieved now, I think you said this week you'd, um, you'd raised something like 830,000, something like that. Yes. Um, and uh, you, you have a target for 2020 of a million pounds, which sounds quite achievable. Sounds like you're yeah, well on. I think we'll so, smash it. Sounds like you're well on track to uh, to smash that. Yeah. Um, you know, what are the goals now for Alex's Wish going forward? What you know, what and what's coming up, and how can people get involved with 
with your organization and uh, and contribute to uh, to helping uh, mostly boys with Duchenne? Um, to get to the million is going to be uh, a huge achievement for us. And I think, like I said, we're about 180,000 shy of that now. But we've got some fantastic events coming up this year and next year. And as I said, because we've worked really, really close with businesses, they're actually keeping us on as their charity of the year. So they chose us for one year. They've really enjoyed working with us. They're actually benefiting from um, from staff engagement and all of that side of things that they're going to continue next year, which is absolutely fantastic. So, you know, we've got big plans for next year. We actually want to raise... Um, around about 300,000 next year which will take us beyond that million pound mark um there are still there's been some fantastic advances made in Duchenne um, in terms of the research side of things gene therapy was on the news last week um CRISPR technology is a gene editing tool um and it's looking hugely promising so hopefully that will come into clinical trials for boys soon um but there is lots of advances that has been made but there's still yet no treatments for all all, all boys that have got the condition um so we will continue fighting continue raising money and awareness until obviously we've got this condition um, nailed we want to treat this generation of boys so we will continue we've got a huge mission to raise that million but I think we'll smash it within the next 12 months and then where's the next million coming from so I will not stop at that million we will not stop until that cure is found we will continue to keep going while ever there is hope while ever there is advances being made we will actually continue our work so yeah we hope to raise that 300,000 next year which I'm sure we'll do we've got some fantastic events lined up um, um, Zoe who works with us on the fundraising side has got some really really great ideas in terms of things that we want to do next year but we'll continue with the cycle rides we're going to continue um, you know working with businesses we've got a fantastic business club um, um, where businesses can give to us on a monthly basis um, and in exchange for that you mentioned that earlier where they can come along to networking events um, there's business game within the room which is great from their perspective um, and you know that's a fantastic um, business club so it's actually raising nearly £30,000 a year now for Alex's Wish so we've got 20 members within the club and we'd love to get to 40 members by the end of next year bringing in 60000 so that's another target that we have so yeah lots of activities going on and um Lots, lots more things that we need to do. <laughs> Actually, I'm wondering, you know, how how do you advise people when you know, people are doing events for you? Maybe going cycling to Paris, or they're they're jumping out of an aeroplane, or something like that. And uh, and there's you know, there's a lot of people who are kind of asking for um, you know contributions. And I've got I've, I think this weekend I've got two that I've not done that I need to do sort of contributions and it kind of get it kind of gets expensive a little bit expensive and um and I wondered you know what's your advice on people who are raising money for charities to go about doing it the best way to uh, uh, to ensure that um, you, you know you do get um you know, good charity contribution but you don't leave people feeling you know that they've um, they're continuously being asked for money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, I do, and it's a tricky one. And a lot of my friends and and family, they've done lots of fundraising activities, and it gets to a point where they say, "I can't keep asking the same people for money." You know, I can't do that. Um, so, I mean, I would say if you if you are going to do set yourself a big challenge, then you know, just think about the timing in terms of when are you going to do it. Um, what are you going to do it for? What what really is going to inspire you? Um, and then, you know, really give it everything um, rather than doing lots and lots of things all the time because people do get bored and fed up and you can't keep asking the same people. So I would say set yourself a goal, know what you want to do, do something major 
and then just just go out there but you don't have to just keep asking friends and family so through the vlogging and through the videos and, and social media you can actually you know target a wider audience and we've also encouraged our fundraisers and our supporters to go live on radio contact your local tv stations contact your local radio you'll be amazing actually the, the stories that they like to cover they love to cover just normal people doing crazy things or not so crazy things but just great things for local causes um it's just a really heartwarming story that they love to cover. So go out to local press, your local newspapers, pull together a press release and the charity will help you do this. Tell the world about what you're doing and you will be amazed at what comes back. Um, so, you know, just don't feel afraid and feel like you've just got to carry a sponsorship form around with you and only ask your nearest and dearest. Go out there and also as well, if you if you work for a business as well, there's match funding. So um, a lot of supporters will raise like £200 and they'll go back to their business and they'll give them £200. So Match funding is is available, um, so take advantage of that because a lot of companies do offer offer that financial support. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, when you talk about contributions, do you mean in terms of putting your hand in your own pocket and actually yeah. putting towards it? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, it's your choice. So what you can do is with um, sort of online sponsorship forms and things like that that you can send out, there is actually a little box that you can tick to say, please sponsor me, but a percentage of this will actually go towards the cost of the event, which is fine to do. Um, as long as you're up front and they know that that's what you're going to do. So you can actually cover the cost of your event through through your fundraising activity or you can decide to, to fully fund it yourself. Yeah. It's entirely, entirely up to you. But, you know, if, if you go out to the bigger world, you'll be amazed at how much money you can actually raise. Yes. Excellent. We've got my mind uh, going for my um, big, uh, my quadrathlon next year, which is uh, quite scary, actually. But it's um, going to be on, on, on sort of the best way to do that. Um I think I'll pay the entrance fee myself. I think rather than so, I may I may be um, sharing a bit more about that um, over the shows, and uh, I'll be setting up a just giving page. I've just thought yeah. of another idea as well. What you can do as well is is sell old stuff that you don't need on eBay. Good. You know, in terms of yeah. just to try and fundraise, you can actually look at different things, mm. different ways. But that's that's a great example. So you're not asking for money; you're actually funding it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yep, good. We'll be looking around the house tonight and going in the loft spaces and things like that. <laughs> and just a, a final question. We've got one, sort of one, one minute, but how, how early before an event would you recommend people start their charitable? As soon as possible. Um, basically, as soon as you know you want to do this, allow yourself plenty of time. Don't leave it to the last minute like some supporters do. They'll leave it a week before. Give yourself plenty of time and build that story up. Just go out there, tell people what you're doing, why you're doing it, why you're passionate, and actually tell them about the training and all the effort that goes into it. It's not just about the event itself. So start blogging and socialising with people and telling people as soon as you possibly can. Don't leave it to the last minute. Excellent. Some great advice there. Absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you. And just very... Very briefly, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Um, hopefully, I may have inspired some of you out there. Um, just do something amazing. There are so many wonderful causes out there, um, people that, that are in desperate need of your help. If you can um, and you're able to, um, just do something. It could be anything, cake sale at home, anything, going out, doing whatever you want to do. Just please be inspired because it's, it's life changing and it can it can leave you some fabulous memories. You're going to meet new people, experience new things. And if I can just inspire just one person out there today to actually do something amazing for somebody that's actually in need, then then fantastic. So just get out there and do it. Well, fantastic. I mean, you've certainly inspired me today. Um, and uh, if you want to 
uh, look at how you can help Alex's wish and thousands of families whose children are struggling with the Shen, uh, then you can go to alexiswish.co.uk and I'm sure you can contact Emma and the team if you if you want to look at how you can help. Lots of events on there as well that you can get involved in and there's also the business club as well. Uh, on next week's show, I have Prasad Prabhakaran, I hope I've um, said that correctly. Um, Prasad, we're going to talk, he's an absolute sort of global expert when it comes to lean enterprises and lean business. And we've not really talked about this before on the show. So I really want to help understand uh, more about lean and understand about how we can really run our organizations really efficiently and effectively and the sort of principles and the practices that are involved in developing lean enterprises. Once again, huge thank you to Emma Hallam on the magic of fundraising. It's been a great um, having the conversation with you today. And I wish you your family, Alex, uh, and anybody who's, um, whose family is suffering with uh, Duchenne. Uh, and, uh, you know, wish you all in the very best. I hope we find a cure. And congratulations to all those people out there who are doing great things to raise money for charities like, um, like a Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Thank you very much. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.